0: Well, happy Easter, Life Point. Happy Easter. He has risen. He has risen that is right, all right. That is awesome. Well, we're in a series called Love Is. And it was love that drove Jesus to the cross, and it was love that secured his victory. And the Bible tells the story like this out of John chapter 20 Early Sunday morning while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to visit where Jesus had been buried She found the huge stone she found the huge stone had been rolled away from the entrance so the so she ran and found Peter and John two of the two of Jesus's disciples She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've put it. You see, at this point in time, they still didn't get the part about the resurrection. And so then Peter and John ran to the tomb to see for themselves. John got to the tomb first. He saw the linen burial clothes lying there folded. That's a little strange, isn't it? Someone's gonna steal a body who in the world is going to unwrap, take the clothes off, let, fold them up in a nice little pile, and then take that body out naked as a jaybird? That's a little weird, don't you think? But he goes on. Then Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrapping lying there with the cloth that had covered Jesus' head. When John saw this evidence, he believed. For up until this point, the disciples still had not understood the scriptures that Jesus would rise from the dead. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe? That is the most important question that you will ever be asked because it will determine your destiny, your victory in life. Do you believe? Today, I wanna do two very simple things. I wanna take a look at what the benefits are for believing in Jesus, and then I wanna take a look at what it means to believe in Jesus. So let's begin, four benefits. I could give you probably a hundred, but let me just give you four. And the first benefit for believing in Jesus is simply this, everything that I've ever done wrong is forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. My sins are forgiven. God forgives me freely, repeatedly, completely, instantly, and eternally. Folks, even if there wasn't a heaven, and there is, but even if there wasn't a heaven, it would be worth it to believe in Jesus Christ just to have a clear conscience. You and I do not realize how many people are walking around with, with, with uh, uh, guilt and shame and, and, and regrets, and yet they could all be obliter- obliterated. Take a look at Acts 10. All who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins through Jesus' name. I love this next one, Romans 3. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we, will, and we all can be saved in the same way no matter who we are or what we've done. I love that last part, don't you? It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how many times you've done it, who you've done it with, and where you've done it. You can be forgiven. Amen. The second benefit is this. I learn God's purpose for my life. Now, this is really important because if you don't know what your purpose is in life, you're just gonna drift through life. Life is gonna dictate to you what you're gonna do as opposed to you dictating to it. And the only way that you can know your purpose in life is from your creator. Folks, you can't tell yourself what your purpose is. You did not invent you. Only your creator can tell you what your purpose is. And until you believe in Jesus Christ, you will never know what your purpose is. Because Jesus Christ is your creator. Take a look at Colossians 1.16. Everything, absolutely everything got started in Christ and finds its purpose in him. You see, today we've got a lot of people that are confused about their identity, their personal identity, their family identity, their gender identity. They don't, they, they're confused about their purpose and identity in life. They say, you know what? I don't know what to do and I don't know who in the world that I am. Why is that? It's because they're looking in the wrong place. Take a look at Ephesians 1.11. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and in everyone. The third benefit for believing in Christ is this: I get God's strength for daily living. Now I used to think that that wasn't that big of a deal. But I've come to realize that the number one problem that people have is not worry, it's not boredom, it's not fear or bitterness or guilt. You know what it is? It's weariness. I talk to people all the time. I say, I'm just so tired. I just don't have the energy to get it all done. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the reason why they're tired all the time is that they have a power shortage. And the reason that they have a power shortage is because they're not plugged into God's power. You see, a toaster unplugged just gives you white, limpy bread, okay? A vacuum cleaner unplugged is worthless. A blender unplugged is worthless. Your life and my life cannot possibly be what God wants it to be if you and I are unplugged from God's power. Take a look at Isaiah 40, verse 29. God gives power to those who are tired and worn out, and he offers strength to the weak. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, I pray that you will will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead time out pastor george are you telling me the same power that raised jesus christ from the dead that split history into two parts is available to me yes it's exactly what i'm saying if you believe well what do i need power for anyway pastor george Well, oh, you need power for more than what you realize you need power to change in those areas that you've tried to change but you can't change you need power to start over again. You, you need power to say no. You need power to keep going. The Apostle Paul said it like this, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. And the power that he was talking about there, folks, is not positive mental attitude. It is not this self-help psychology stuff that you and I can read in some magazine why we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No, it is a supernatural power that strengthens us for all conditions. For loneliness. For stress. For guilt. For a financial crisis. For an emotional crisis. For a relational crisis. And where does this strength come from? It comes from God when you believe. And so I get my past forgiven. I have a purpose for living. I have a power to keep going. Then there's the fourth one, and this is the cherry on top of the cake, okay? I'm guaranteed eternal life. Hello. Now we're talking, okay? Even if the other ones didn't exist, but they do, even if they didn't, folks, I'm given eternal life because of Jesus' resurrection when I believe. You see, the resurrection proved three things. It, it proved that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Jesus, over and over and over again, says, I'm God. But Pastor George, I just think he's a, he was just a good teacher. No, a good teacher would never claim to be God unless it was true, You see, Jesus claimed to be God. And so that puts him in one of three categories. He is who he says he is, Lord, or he is a liar, or he is a lunatic. That's the decision you have to make. Well, let me kind of put it like this. If I were to come to you and say, you know what, I'm a good teacher. You would look at me and say, you know what, you are better than your son, David (laughs) Pfizer." And I would say, thank you. But if I came to you and I said, I'm God, that changes the relationship, doesn't it? It does. Because all of a sudden you have to, you are forced to make a decision. Jesus claimed to be God. And he is either who he says he is or he is a lunatic or he is a liar Folks, if he isn't who he claimed to be, we all ought to go home, okay? And I understand that in history, a lot of people have claimed to be God. But Jesus said, I'll prove it to you. I'm going to let them kill me, and I'm going to let them nail me to a cross, and then I'm going to have them bury me in a tomb. But three days later, I'm going to resurrect myself. And he did. And for 40 days, he walked around Jerusalem just saying this, I'm back. Wouldn't that freak you out? I saw you die. I saw you, po- whoa. But more importantly, the resurrection proves that Jesus keeps his promises. You see, he promised, if you kill me, guess what? I will be back. And did he come back? He did. And folks, if he can do that and fulfill that promise, he can fulfill all the lesser promises, so to speak. And then the third th- thing that it proves is that there is life after death. You see, if Jesus hadn't resurrected, folks, you and I would have no hope for the future. We would have no hope for eternity. We would have no knowledge of heaven. If Jesus hadn't come back to life, folks, we all ought to go home We'll meet up here next week when the, the, the American League or the Major League Baseball season starts. We'll go to Ranger Stadium. We'll buy some hot dogs, and I'm buying, okay? That is, if he hadn't resurrected. <laughs> Let me just show you a few verses here. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said this, I am the one, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Harry Krishna, He says, I'm the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live again. He is given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. Will you circle that phrase? Given eternal life for believing in me. If Jesus had not risen on Easter, come out of that tomb right there, this service would be a joke we would have no hope when we die we're just dead and the worms take over but jesus said because i live you can live too if you believe in me so let me ask you this where else can you get these things Where else can you get your sins forgiven, a purpose for living, a home in heaven, and a power for living? Nowhere. If you don't get it from Jesus, folks, you don't get it. And yet, what's the qualification? I must believe. God wants you to believe in the one He has sent. So what does it mean to really believe in Jesus? You see, a lot of people think they believe in Jesus, but they really don't. A lot of people are gonna fall 18 inches short of heaven. That is the distance between a man's mind and their heart. And they're gonna miss heaven by 18 inches because they don't know what the real meaning of the word believe is. When I meet people for the very first time, and I tell them that I'm a pastor, a lot of times they'll say something like, you know, well, hey, hey, pastor, I'm going to heaven. I say, well, glad I'm, I'll meet you there when we get there, okay? But can I ask you this question? How do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, it's because I believe in God. Oh, that's great, so do I. But would it shock you that believing in God and believing in Jesus is not enough to get to heaven? you're kidding me. I said, no, I'm not. Do do you believe in the devil? Well, of course I do. Do you believe that the devil is going to go to heaven? Well, of course not. Well, the devil believes in God. The devil believes in Jesus. The The devil believes that Jesus died on the cross. And so it's obvious that believing in God and believing that Jesus is the son of God isn't enough to get in to heaven. That's what James 2, 19 talks about. You need to check it out. You see, it's more than just head knowledge. It's more than head knowledge. The word believe in the Greek is pestio. It means to trust, to rely on, to commit to, to cling to. It is more than just head knowledge. It is is heart commitment. We live in one of the most educated community, account, counties in, in Texas, okay? And I know that we're all aware that there are various knowledge or various levels of knowledge. There's real shallow knowledge, isn't there? Like, like we all know the Kardashians, right? We probably know too much about the Kardashians, but, but I don't believe, I, I believe that they exist. But I would never trust them with my life. There's a lot of people that believe that Jesus exists. Great. Then there is a deeper knowledge, like knowing your neighbor. We, we know a little bit more about our neighbors, right? I mean, we maybe know their family background. We know where they work, uh, uh, kind of uh, maybe their birthdays, that kind of a thing. But we really don't know them. There's a lot of people like that that know a few facts about Jesus, but then there's a deeper knowledge still that is intimate. You see, I know my wife. Now, don't misunderstand me. She's still a mystery to me. <laughs> but I know her. And I would say this, she probably knows me better than I know her. But when I, when I say I believe in, in Cheryl, who's my wife, I mean more than I know that she exists. It means that I believe in her, I rely on her, I trust in her, I have committed myself to her, I know her intimately, I know her better than I know anyone else for 42 years. You see, that's what the word believe means. It means to trust. To rely upon, to cling to, to adhere to, to commit to. So let me give us five expressions of what it means to believe in Jesus. Will you write these down? And I put them in acrostic trust. T stands for turn everything over to Jesus. The good, the bad, the ugly. Turn over your past, your present, and your future. Give him the reins of your finances, your relationships, your sex life, your health, your vocation. Take a look at Romans 10, verse nine. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice that this is a promise here, okay? And he doesn't say, you might be saved. I hope you can get saved. It's a possibility that you can get saved. No, it says, you will be saved if you do two things. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You see, most of us here believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Because folks, that's why we're here, right? but most and many have not done the first part where they have confessed with their mouth Jesus as Lord. You see, what does that word mean? Will you circle the word Lord? It means he's the master. He's the boss. He's the CEO. He's the CFO. He's the COO. He's the CCO. He's your boss. He's your God. Now, I, don't, I know we don't see this often around here because of the bubble that we are in economically. I mean, things are booming here. But when a business is bought out by another business, oftentimes on the window of that business, it will say, under new management. When you truly believe in Jesus with heart knowledge and not just head knowledge, you need to put that sign across you. Under new management. I'm no longer the Lord of my life. Jesus is my boss. He's my CEO. He's my COO. He's my CCO. He's in control. He is my God. Until you do that, you're the Lord of your own life. And how's that working for you? All your dreams coming true? Solving all your problems? You see, folks, we weren't meant to be God. God is God, and we're not. And so the first thing of what it means to believe is that I say with my mouth, Jesus is my God, he is my Lord, he is my boss, he is my CEO. R stands for relax. We relax in his love. Now, let me explain this. What is the opposite of relaxing? Working, right? God says, you don't have to work for my love. Now, this is extremely important because you and I throughout our whole lives uh, growing up, we have experienced uh, conditional love. Conditional love by your parents, by your partner by your professionals, by by people in your life. You and I have spent most of our lives trying to earn the love of others because we wanna be loved. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved. You and I need it. But when you believe in Jesus and you've trusted in him, you can relax because you realize God's going to love you no matter what. You don't have to earn his love. His love towards you is unconditional. God loves you unconditional. Not because you did this or not because you did that. He loves you, period. His love for you is unwavering. He doesn't love you one day and then the next day he's ticked at you. No, he doesn't have bad hair days, as I like to say, okay? Once you have received the love of God in your heart, there is nothing that you can do or nothing you haven't done, that will make God stop loving you. He loves you unconditionally, unwavering, and unending. And when you know that, you know what the result is? Confidence. When I know that I like me, and God likes me, and you don't like me, guess who's got the problem? God loves me. And that gives me confidence. Take a look at Romans 8. Knowing nothing will ever be able to separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and demons can't. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow. And even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is received in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen to me, if you want personal security, you must put it into something that can't be taken away from you. And there's only one thing that can't be taken away from you and that is God's love for you. And so to believe in Jesus means I turn everything over to him and I say, I say with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord, he's my boss. I relax in God's unconditional love for me. And then you is this, I use my life to serve God by serving others. You see, we are saved to serve. God didn't come to earth, die on the cross to pay for your sins so that you and I could just live selfish lives. Do you and I really think that God just wants us to go to school, uh, get a job, make a lot of money, retire, and then just die? Do you really think that, that, that God just made you for you? I don't think so. You see, God put you on this planet because he has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to make a difference. And that difference is called good works. It's called service. It's called ministry in the Bible. And the Bible says that believing in Jesus is part of accepting that responsibility. Take a look at Romans 6, verse 13. Give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you've been saved from death, and you wanna be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Folks, there is no greater thrill than to be a tool in the hands of God, knowing that you are fulfilling his purpose. You see, when you do that, you know that you're in the zone. You know that you're hitting the bullseye. You have a satisfaction that is greater than sex, salary, or status in life. And yet on the other hand, if you're just living for you, you're going to be bored and you're going to be filled with bitterness. Let me be blunt on this Easter. If I claim to be, be, be a believer in Jesus, but I have no desire to serve Christ, his church, and other people, then I have every reason to doubt whether I am heaven bound. Because you cannot invite someone as big as God into your life without him changing your motives. It's gonna change your drives because you're gonna wanna give your life to something that is bigger than yourself. Take a look at Ephesians 2.10. God has made us what we are, And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good works, which he has already prepared for us to do. You see, I say this, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is to live 70, 80 years and not know what your purpose is. That's a tragedy, to waste your life. To not become the man or woman that God has intended for you to be. God wants us to make an impact. And I'm proud of this church for the things that we seek to do to serve our community. And we're going to do another one, Outrun Homelessness. If you want to find out about that, check it out in the lobby. The fourth letter is S. And let me explain this one before I develop it scripturally. Jesus was perfect, and yet not everybody liked him. Have you noticed that in the movies? Some disagreed with Jesus. Some abused Jesus. Some misjudged Jesus. Some hated Jesus. And some killed Jesus. Think about that. Pastor George, are you saying that if I was perfect, there will be some people that don't like me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why? Because evil hates good. Darkness hates light. Wrong hates right. God says, if you're going to be a believer in Jesus, you should expect the same treatment that Jesus got from others, and not everybody liked Jesus. When you do what's right, people who want to do what's wrong will get upset with you. Let me explain. Let's just say you're at the water cooler at the office place. And you're there with a few other people, and they begin gossiping about a person. And you begin to feel uncomfortable, so you just leave. You don't say anything. You just leave. You go back to your office. And then someone comes there and says, hey, Joe, what's going on? Why'd you leave? Well, I'm a follower of Christ, and I just, personally, I just felt a little uncomfortable listening and talking about these things. I just don't think that it's right. What do you think the reaction is going to be? Well, you think you're a goody-two-shoes, don't you? You're you're so self-righteous. You just think you're better than others. And you being a Christian, you're probably a homophobe, aren't you? An intolerant bigot. And yet you're none of those things. What's going on? What's happening here? I'll tell you what's happening. They feel guilty and they're blaming you for it. And you are suffering for doing what is right. This is the fourth thing of what it means to believe in Jesus. S stands, I suffer for doing what's right. Because believing in Jesus isn't always convenient. You see, as your pastor, I want you to know Jesus like I know Jesus. In fact, I really aspire that you know better. You know Jesus better than I know Jesus. But I need to tell you some truth. Being a follower of Christ isn't for weaklings. It is not for wimpy people. It is not for wishy-washy people. Believing in Jesus may be more, may demand more courage from you than anything that you can even imagine. Because it is not always popular to stand for the truth. It is not always comfortable and convenient. You could suffer. You can be maligned. You can be killed for your faith. And we've seen that on TV, haven't we? You see, Jesus was up front. He said, if you want to follow me, here's the deal. you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Let me ask you this. If tomorrow came and they outlawed you being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence that you were one? Would there be enough evidence that you were a cross carrier? But I believe, Pastor George, it's not enough. You gotta turn over everything to Jesus and say with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord, he's my boss. You gotta relax in his love. You gotta use your life to serve Christ, his church, and, and, and others in the community. And you've got to suffer for even what's doing right. Take a look at Philippians 1:29. For you have been given not only the privilege of believing in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And so you say this, okay, I do. What, what happens? Look at 1 Peter 3:14. But if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. So don't be afraid and don't worry. That's a promise. Which leads me to the fifth one. The final T. What it means to believe in Jesus. Trust what he says. You see, folks, personally, I trust what Jesus says and what God says in his Bible. If God says do it, I do it. If God says don't do it, I don't do it. One thing I don't do is pick and choose what I want to believe and what I don't want to believe. I do not have a cafeteria mentality. You see, true believers say if God says it, that settles it. Not that I understand it, but that settles it. In the Bible, there are commands and there are promises. The commands go something like this. If you do this, your life will be easier. If you don't do this, your life will be harder. And then there are promises that that are there for us during the dark days of our lives, the days that we're discouraged, the days that we're filled with doubt and despair and maybe even depression. When you are going through those dark days of life, what you do is you hold on to the promises of God. Why? Because God's word is true. Take a look at these verses, Psalms 33 verse four. For the word of the Lord always holds true. Is that true of government? I don't think so. We won't see our social security. Is that true of the media? Is that true of me? Definitely not me. But it is true of God. And everything he does is worthy of our trust. Look at Hebrews 6, 18. God can't break his word, why? Because God can't lie. So we who have trusted our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. There are over 7,000 promises in God's word and all of them are yes in Christ Jesus so that you and I can have a stress-less life. Now, I wanna close by talking to a special group of people this morning. I wanna talk to those people who had faith in the past, but they feel like they've lost it. We all know people like that, don't we? They had faith in the past, but they don't have it now. They say, you know, I don't have faith anymore. I don't believe anymore. You see, what causes people to lose their faith? One word, pain. For some, it may be relational pain because of a divorce. Or it might be financial pain because of a bankruptcy or the loss of a job. Or it might be emotional pain through hurtful words. Or it might be physical pain, the loss of your health. Or it might be spiritual pain where you prayed and your prayers weren't answered the way you wanted them to pray. And so you said, You know, I've just lost my faith. I just don't believe anymore. You see, I know a lot of people who have lost their faith because of some kind of pain. And yet, on the other hand, I know a lot of people who have had pain, who have gone through it, and have gotten stronger for it. In fact, they've become more beautiful. What makes the difference? Two different people, same pain. One runs to God, the other person runs away from God. Why is that? You see, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, but Pastor George, you don't understand what it's like to have pain. You're a pastor. And I would humbly say this to you. Yes, I do. 38 years ago, my wife and I had our firstborn, and as he began to de- develop, we discovered that he was learning different, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and asked God to take it away, and that prayer was never answered. 10 years ago, my dad was scheduled to have open-heart surgery and I pra- to spare his life, and I prayed that God would spare his life So that I could get there and I could share the gospel with him. Because I wasn't for sure that my dad had Jesus as Lord in his life. And six days before his scheduled operation, before I could get there, he died. God did not answer my prayers. I have a brother in Kansas City for as long as I have known has suffered with the disease of Depression. He has attempted to take his life four times, and the last one was just a year ago, about this time. And I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have prayed that God would heal him of that disease. And to this point, God has not done that. You see, why is it that I haven't run away? I'll tell you why. It's because of what I know. I know God. I have walked with God for 44 years. He is my best friend. I know him better than anybody else. I know that he loves me unconditionally. I know that he loves me. It's a love that I can't even imagine until I walk through those pearly gates. I know that God is a good God, that he's given me life. He's given me my family. He's given me a spiritual family. I know that God has given me a purpose, and it's for good, not for calamity, to give me a hope and a future. I know that God understands my pain and my losses in life, and when my heart breaks over things that break the heart of God because He too has suffered. And I know. This is not the end of the story. I don't know what kind of day you're having. You may be going through the dark days of life with depression and despair and doubt and discouragement. You may be going through times of confusion where your mind is saying, why God? Why didn't you answer this prayer? Why, God? Why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? Why did it have to happen now, God? Why is it, God, that bad things always seem to happen to good people? I want to challenge you to trust in Christ. In the dark days, I want to challenge you to trust in Christ. You may be going through times of grief as a result of some loss. Maybe the loss of a job, the loss of your finances, the loss of a relationship, or maybe even the loss of a dear one who's passed away. I want to challenge you to trust in Jesus Christ. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Because that is where you will find comfort. And that is where you will find victory. In your bulletin is a little card. It says, today I'm trusting Jesus with my blank. Some of you need to trust Jesus with your life. You've only known about him in your head today's your day to simply say Jesus with your breath you're my Lord I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you resurrected that there's an empty tomb so that what you said I can take to the bank and you need to write on that just life that's all you need to do right life others of you it may be your job I don't know Maybe a family member, maybe your marriage, maybe your health. What are you going to trust Jesus with? He resurrected. And He says, if you believe in me, I'll turn death into victory. I want to give you some time to just think about that, write it out. I'm going to pray. As I'm praying, you can write. And then we're gonna sing a song. It's gonna be our last song. And then you can come up if you want to. You don't have to. And you can put, there are thousands of them up here. And you can put them, and bring them to the cross, the empty cross. And then when you leave, I want you to pick something up. It's a cross. It's an empty cross. It's made out of olive wood. I have one in my office. I got them about a couple of weeks ago. And on one side, I'd like you to write the word trust on it to remind you of this Easter message. But then on the other side, write what you're trusting God for or with. And just put it somewhere. Put it in your car, put it in your office, in your desk drawer, so that when you open it, you're reminded, I trust in Jesus, he's my Lord. And I'm gonna trust him with my life, my family, my marriage, my finances, across the board. And you can get those as you leave because there'll be people in the aisles holding them and then I'll come up and say one last word. So let's pray. Lord, this is your day. You never asked us to remember Christmas. Though I love Christmas, God. But you did ask us to remember your death, your burial, and your resurrection. It's what seals our faith and our victory. And so God, we thank you for that. Today, God, I wanna pray for those of us here have just dropped Jesus from their heads to their hearts. God bless them as they write out that word life throw it at the cross. So God, we give you this. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead.